Hi, and welcome to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. I'm Judy. If this is your first time here, welcome. And if you've been here before, welcome back. Selling in a Skirt is all about connection, community, and relationships. What I love the most about what we do is that I get to introduce you to the most amazing women and the most amazing men. I encourage men to champion women because it's a really important part of our world. One of the things that we do every single time we're together is I have one special guest. And today we're going to do something just a little bit different. Not only do I have an amazing guest, but I also have an audience here too. And you'll get to meet them pretty soon. But let me introduce you to Jill Nastasia. So I'm going to read a little bit about her. When Jill says, ah, if you've talked to me, you know that she's all about relationships. Throughout her career, she's had the pleasure of working with professionals and entrepreneurs across the country to grow their business, to reach their goals, and in turn, create jobs within the community. As a small business owner herself, she loves to create jobs for others and help her employees grow and reach their full potential. And that's just the beginning of the story. So Jill, we are so excited to have you here. So why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and what you love about, <clears throat> about what you do. Thank you, Judy. I'm excited to be here as well. I appreciate the opportunity, and this is a first for me, so you're never too old for new opportunities. I uh, started Fearless Dallas a couple of years ago, and I was motivated by how I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I grew up in an inner city, and I was part of the foster care system. Eventually, I aged out. I actually exited on my own at 16, and I really was trying to live life 101, but I didn't have all the tools. I was really lucky. I had a great community in my neighborhood, and I'm not talking about organizations that helped me or the government. It was just the women in my neighborhood, and they weren't perfect by any means, but they told you what you should do, when you should do it, and how, and they had no problem just speaking their mind, and I love that sense of community. I realized all women need a community now, and that was one of the reasons why I started Fearless Dallas. Okay, and so as I said, you know, selling in a skirt is all about community and connection. So that's a, it's a perfect match, and we know that already. So I know the backstory a little bit about Fearless and why you started it, but you also have another business. So before we really dive into um, Fearless, let's talk a little bit about your marketing company, MDPM Marketing and Consulting. So what is that all about, and how does that relate to what you do at Fearless? Well, my early part of my career, I was in mortgage for 20 years until, as we all know, in 2008, the mortgage market changed. And I was interviewing for jobs, and I was just about to hit that golden number of 40, and I was told I was too old and too female for any of these corporate jobs. Hold and it. Too old and too female? Yes. Okay, continue. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Go ahead. And this is not 50 years ago. I'm talking 15 years ago. So I decided, well, I'll just grab any job I can. And I grabbed a job as an account manager in a firm that did marketing. And after being there seven months, being the lowest paid person there and being treated terribly, I said, well, I could go do this on my own. And I did. So it was 13 years ago. And we, I have a staff of 17 folks here. And we work with clients in 37 states. And I've created many jobs for people and also helped all of our clients build their small businesses and grow and create jobs for others. That's awesome. So what does it overlap into Fearless at all? I mean, do you do the marketing from your company into Fearless? And how does that work? So right when the pandemic started is when I filed the paperwork for Fearless, not knowing what was coming with the pandemic. 
and I thought it was I was something I was going to slow burn as I got older. And but then the pandemic happened, and we realized we saw all the holes in our infrastructure and what people needed. So our marketing company was not that busy during COVID, so we were able to keep my people on staff and utilize them to help all kinds of people. And we did everything from helping people with their PPP um, loans to helping them change their marketing strategies, the restaurants who all of a sudden didn't have their doors open. And that gave me time to build up what the real vision was. So COVID def definitely jump-started it. And now my company, my marketing company is still running. I have a great team and I oversee it, but my majority of my time is spent on Fearless. Okay, so let's dive into that. So it's about women, it's about creating opportunities, it's just about changing lives. So how do you do that? Well, the biggest way is we wanna provide a community and a safe space. That's the first thing. And we do that through having monthly events that are in person for women and we try to find things that are both interesting, but also have a little bit of entertainment value, but most importantly, are accessible. They're either free or low cost, and there is something topical going on that people wanna learn. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten a lot of women to come to those, but that's only scratching the surface. The real meat of what we do is our one-on-one -on -one services. In the social work world, which by the way, I went back during COVID and got my master's in social work so I could understand the correct way to approach social work. And in the social work world, they call that case management. We call our people that come for confidential one-on-one -on -one services builders because they're doing all the work. They're building a life for themselves. We're the architects, but we're using measure, um, methods that have been tested and that are safe. And we always make sure people first start in crisis. So we work with those one-on-one -on -one folks and till they reach their goals, we help them do that. And then they just become part of our community as well. And how long can they stay in the community? Forever, hopefully. Ooh, that's a good thing. I like that, I like that. It's not a place you come to just when you're down and out. Matter of fact, you don't even have to be rock bottom. Everyone's going through transitions. Um, we've been doing that our whole life, but COVID really put a spotlight on the transitions we've all been going through. And um, we wanna provide support for that and let people know there's there's more out there and they're not done yet. Absolutely. So one of the things you talk about is um, the lack of life 101. So what does that actually look like and how are you fixing that and changing that for, for women today? Well, I think we try to do our best as a society, but it falls short. Kids in high school aren't getting basics. They don't always get it from their parents. Uh, it's simple things, your finances. How do, you, how do you manage your finances? How do you set up where you're gonna live, work, uh, play? How do you set your life up in a sustainable way, stay within a financial budget, and still have time to nourish your soul, your spirit, and your mind? So it's life. It's life. And it, it's really simple things. And sometimes parents have taught their kids these things, but they, didn't, they weren't ready to hear it I know I'm not ready to hear things sometimes. And when somebody else comes to me with it, I'm like, that's a new idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always interesting to me. I mean, you know, we say the kids don't know how to, you know, do a checkbook. Well, they don't do checkbooks anymore. But mm -hmm. I still think it's good to be able to balance something, you know. I mean, I, I live with somebody who has never balanced a checkbook and just has statements sitting there. And he says, well, I know what's in the checking account. Like, 
How do you live like that? I'm very organized, logical, so that makes me absolutely insane. The truth of the matter is, though, we're not teaching our kids all these basic things. You know, even ironing. Like, they don't know how to iron. They don't even know, do you put water? Why do you put water in here? So I think, you know, part of life is these little things that turn into the big things later on, right? Absolutely. And it is interesting, though, that the younger generation has picked up on thrifting. So they do understand things can be upcycled, recycled. But, but you're right that taking care of what you already have isn't really emphasized. No, no, it isn't. It's, it's, it's interesting. We also know it takes a village. So tell me about yours. Absolutely. Well, I have two sons and I've been raising them on my own since they were one and two and a half. And I will tell you, I would not have been able to do that if it were not for my village that helped me and none of them were blood relatives. So there, there's community out there. I call it social capital and I think that's my uh, superpower is I'm very good at creating social capital. And I try to talk to people about that of all ages, about who's in your camp, who are they? And if you start putting people in your camp that aren't supporting you, I'm not saying you have to cut them out and have a throwdown with them, but maybe they're not in that inner circle and you don't share those things. You need your inner circle to be supporting you. And in turn, you need to support them. And that's the key point, that full circle support. Yeah, you know, I always tell people that, and I've had this conversation this morning with somebody, you know, about that you have to be able to ask for help, but you also have to be able to receive the help. And on all my posts on social media, it always ends, if you need help, simply ask. And people say, well, you don't really mean that. I'm like, I do, because I know what it's like to have to ask somebody for help, and it's not easy in the beginning. Once you realize that it's not so hard, that there are people there, you can ask for it. But why do you think that it's so hard for women to ask for help more than, especially more than men? Uh, I think it's twofold. One, so many women have uh, trauma, either early childhood trauma or later on in life during marriages. And one of the characteristics of having gone through that is you become hyper independent and mm -hmm. you view any way you get help or ask for help as some weakness and also you, makes you very vulnerable. The second thing is society tells us we do such a great job at it and we like accolades because we don't get as much as we should. So if we get accolades for being so independent and um, one, of the, one of the other things is saying you're resilient. I, I've come to dislike the word resilient because that's the compliment that I get all the time where well, you're so resilient. I want to be known for more than that. That just means I've had to do more on my own. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. I totally, yeah, I get it. Okay. So what was the hardest thing for you about creating Fearless? And how did you get through that? The hardest thing was the support I didn't get from people where they would see it as I was, it was a hobby project or it was a vanity project, or in some cases, they just thought it's just a dream you can't have and how do you make money on it? I had a lot of people, well, where's the money? How do you benefit? And they could not get past it not being a transaction. Interesting. And you proved them wrong. Yes, I did. But I did it with a lot of group of people. It wasn't just me. And that's the whole thing is with the village. It was the village. And we started small and we've spread out and spread out organically. So with all the things that you've done, there's probably been a time or two where you thought to yourself, you may not have said it out loud, what am I doing? I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough, whatever the enough nonsense is. But you also 
had to overcome that. So how do you get rid of the imposter syndrome that we all go through at some time or another? And it could be yesterday, it could be 25 years ago, but that internal chatter is still there. And I know it, not everything could have been like, oh yeah, I got this, I'm awesome, I could do this. Can't all be like that. So how do you do that? How do you change that? Well, and there's a couple of different things that come to mind with that. One is I did not get a four-year degree right out of high school. I was lucky enough to get a scholarship because I was a good poster child for the foster care system, uh, quite frankly, because I was white and I was intelligent. And they wanted to support foster kids, but not what they normally looked like. And they sent me to off to state school, I was not prepared. I crashed and burned. I wasn't prepared academically or socially because I was in a totally different place. So my whole life, until I got my degrees, I always felt like an imposter because of that. And one of the things I try to stress to everyone, as a society, we place way too much emphasis on this um, life patterns where you have to do everything in a certain order and that college is the be all end all and white collar jobs are it. And you know, not only is there dignity in all work, Part of society is we need all the parts and we need to respect them. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to instill that in others. So that was a struggle. But the other thing is I have two boys and anybody that's raised kids, you have challenges. And both my kids, happy, healthy, doing great today, but both of them had had their sets of challenges. And when they would go through things, I would say, how can I help other people? My own kid is having issues. Well, of course they are because that's normal. But that, the, that one is the one that get, always would stop me in my tracks and say, why am I trying to do this? I'm not even good at this myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because what's normal doesn't always happen to, you know, to everybody. Yeah, and what's normal is your kids have problems. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> right? Right. You know, it's, it's interesting because when I talk about the imposter syndrome, the one thing that always comes back into my mind is Maya Angelou. She said when she wrote her 12th or 14th book, I don't know which one it was, she said, oh, this time they're gonna realize that I don't know what I'm talking about. So if she feels like that, you know, it, I feel like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. But I also know that for me personally, um, I've had lots of stories and tapes in my head for many, many years of what, you know, my father said to me and what others had said to me. And I remember not too long ago, I was invited to be on a, li a live stream. I immediately said yes. Oh, yes, of course, yes. Of course. And then I saw who was on the radar there, who was going to be with me, or I was going to be with. And I thought, I can't do this. I'm not well-known enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I can't do this. I can't do this. Now, me personally, I always have two coaches, one male, one female, because I need the perspective. Because I work with women 99% of the time, I need the male perspective. So I talked to my female coach, and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? She said, you're awesome. Go do it. You know, put on your big girl panties. <clears throat> All the things that you know we all say. I'm like, yes. yeah, okay, right. That's not what I needed to hear. I called him. He said, did you invite yourself or did they invite you? I said, they invited me. He said, then what are you talking about? They want you. So let's stop the nonsense. And he said, just go have a good time. You have a message. You're magnetic. You're blah, 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 blah. And the stuff that she said, he said too. But at that point, when he also told me that I didn't invite myself, I thought, okay, I got this. It was awesome. And I could have backed out because the internal chatter kept coming back saying, you're not... You're never going to amount to anything. Why are you doing this? So I think it's important to know that no matter who, no matter when, no matter why, we all come, you know, we all have that. And we just have to either talk to somebody else or rewind the tapes. Absolutely. And I've 
come to the point, I invite myself everywhere. I don't wait for invitations. <laughs> I like that. You can give her a applause. Yeah, I love that. I'm inviting myself. I don't care. <laughs> okay, so there's women that are going to be watching this, and there's women that are going to relate to all of this, and there's amazing women that are sitting right here. What do you want them to know about Fearless? I want them to know it is a community for all women, and you don't have to do anything specific. You, it's not, you're not coming here because we either want you to come into the program and we take care of you. We're not going to take care of you. We also don't want you to come take care of someone else or give us your money. We're truly here to share our stories with each other and lift each other up. That is the bottom line. It, it is full circle and it's reciprocal and it's, it's real. Well, I love that, and I'm, I'm very proud to be one of your board members because I think it's, it's such an amazing organization, so kudos to you. And as a woman, who, a woman who came through the ranks and you paid your dues and you're generous with your time and your expertise, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give to women who are leaders, whether they're a leader of an organization or a team or a leader of one? What, what's your number one piece of advice? Reach out to women, regardless if they're waiting on your table in a restaurant, or if you see them at a business meeting, or if you show up to an event like this, get to know the women in the room. I was always taught in the corporate world, there was only room for one of us at any given time. So therefore, we better claw and throw dirt at the other women. And I was fortunate enough during my mortgage career, I was the only woman in the room. But it doesn't have to be that way. And my plan is to help all the other women get to where they want to be. And also remember, being in that room isn't necessarily their goal. So you have to always check where, we're coming, where they're coming from. Right, and you should always know your people. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so where can our listeners learn more about you and about Fearless and connect with you? Our website is fearlessdallas.com and we have a full list of events. And I invite everyone, if you want to talk to me, set up a call, I'm happy to talk to you. You come to any of our events, I'm there. I make myself available. Um, we are excited to touch people. I'm not in some ivory tower. Um, yeah. Roll up the sleeves and hands on with everything. And That's I awesome. love meeting new people. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's it open up to our incredible audience. So there is a microphone there, there's a podium there, and somebody's gonna start it. And I can see all of you, so. Okay, so we got Maggie. I like to be first on things. <laughs> um, I find that sometimes it's hard to remember, when, when you have a big lofty goal, it's hard to celebrate milestones. So I'm curious, like what are you most proud of from the beginning of this journey? Like what's something that stands out, something that you can celebrate about your process? I think the biggest thing I can celebrate is, and I'm gonna give a very specific example. Before I started Fearless, I was doing this informally my whole life. I was always helping other women. However, I was not meeting them where they were. I was putting them into my mold of how I got out, and that's not right for everyone. About three years ago, I helped a young woman who is an amazing person. She's 18, she was on her own, and her family was not there for her. And she just wrote something on Facebook about me. And yes, I love when people talk about me, but what it really was, was that I was successful in meeting someone who wasn't like me and I was able to help them get, 
And where she ended up isn't where I would end up, but I now understand the concept of everybody's coming from different places. So that was a real milestone for me because it was like a beginning to end success with a new attitude. And here's one, something else to add to, the, to, to this, that part of the conversation. You have to be able to celebrate and to brag about yourself without sounding like you're tooting your own horn because you've been told not to do that. But the truth is, I always tell all of my clients, have something in your back pocket that you can talk about that is not necessarily about that you earn this because you wrote business or anything like that. Think about something that other people have nominated you for. Other people have said, you know, this is because you do this or that. Like, you know, one of the things that I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about because I always use this one as an example. I was at a dinner and it was all in the financial services industry and I was sitting next to this gentleman and we were chatting and there was a, the MC was up there talking about this award that he was going to be giving out and it was called the Character and Integrity Award and he told you what it was about and how you, you know, why people are nominated for this. And I said to this man, I said, that would be an award that I would like to win someday. And they called my name. Oh my gosh. Right? And it was the, the last time it was given out, but it wasn't something that I did. And so sometimes when you try to find something to celebrate or, or a reason that somebody does something, think about the things in your life that you've done that people have recognized you for. Not that you said, oh, you know, I wrote a million dollars. Not that kind of, you know, that's great. That's great. And, it, and you should celebrate that. But I'm talking more about the things that you do because you are that person. So that's my favorite award. Okay, next question, Kathy. Jill, congratulations on your organization. I think it's dynamic and I think it's wonderful what you're doing for women and for everyone to help them build community and to prepare them for their lives later on, especially high school kids. I love it that you're working with them and preparing them intellectually and socially with all the dynamics that they're gonna have to deal with in college. And the question that I want to ask, I found one of your statements very, very interesting where you said that people who have undergone a lot of trauma in their lives become very super independent. So how are you dealing with those people to help them to learn to trust again and to be with their community in a way that they can be vulnerable but still be independent at the same time? That's a great question, and I think each person comes from a different point. It can be different for each, but the biggest thing is you start small and you pick one person they're going to trust. You analyze, you help them look at who their circle is, and there's maybe a reason they're hyper-independent because they, their circle is not strong at all, and you have them discuss what they need and have them start to pick out, okay, who can help me with this, and change the narrative. How do you get people to trust you? You have some, you have women that are going through all these things, but how do they, when they come into fearless and how do they know that I can trust you? It's all about relationships. And although you don't have very long to start a relationship, I think all of us, we size people up and we go with our gut. And I try to be as authentic as possible. I try to listen, most importantly, respond to what they're saying. Because um, that's what's important, what they're telling you. So don't decide your agenda is what's important. Um, when you talked about accolades, when someone tells me something they did that's small, I support them because it's obviously important enough. If I have a client and 
her big issue was cleaning her space at home. She was bordering on hoarding. And but to her saying, I clean my apartment is huge. If Judy, you called me tomorrow and said you cleaned your house, I'd be happy for you, but I bet your house is always clean. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. So you really have to listen what they consider accomplishments too and, and meet them where they are. Absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you just reminded me of a story I hadn't thought about in, in probably, I don't know, 30 years. Do you know the Jim Carrey story? Jim Carrey was very uh, supportive of his dad. His dad did everything for him and made sure he was able to do the things that he needed to do in order to do, you know, to become who he was. And so he wrote a check to his dad for a million dollars with a date on it of when his dad could cash this. And he put this into his, like, Bill Folio, whatever you called it, and he would see it every single time he went somewhere. So he could, you know, he was able to measure like how close he was getting <clears throat> excuse me and you know when that date comes he was able to cash the check so i was telling this to a group of new producers and i said you know sometimes you just have to make sure that your goals are you know the smart goals they're specific and measurable blah 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 and so one day i was interviewing somebody and this this young woman comes barging through the door and she said i wrote a check for fifty dollars i went okay i had no idea what she was talking about i went okay you know, I'm interviewing somebody. She, I'm like, okay. She said, no, no, I wrote a check for $50. And I said, awesome, that's great. She goes, no, I wrote a check for $50. And I said, okay, Just, you know, I'm missing part of the context here. She said, if you remember when I came in, I was minus like $10,000. And I wrote a check for $50 with a date on it and I can cash it. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, that's, you know, you, you just, you have to meet them where they are, but sometimes they have to also let you know where they are. Exactly. And so, so I just, I, as you said that, I'm like, I, I forgot all about that story. So, cool. Okay, who's next? Come on. Come on. Okay. There's that girl. There's VR. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited about the work you're doing. Uh, Judy knows I am very, very committed to women helping women. And so this is so inspiring. And um, I'm glad you didn't give up. But something you said in your interview about people telling you it can't be done, that you couldn't do it. And we talk a lot about supporting women and, and the kind of work that we need to do. But I'm wondering, um, were any of those comments from women? And yes. how did that make you Sorry. feel? And how did that make you feel? And then how did you deal with that and in inspiring other women to understand why it's so important for us to come together to help each other and to really what I call have sisterhood in action beyond words? Um, I don't want to say uh, there was a huge group of negative women, but there was a small group and most of them had never gone through any personal struggle themselves and they were comfortable where they were and something about what i was doing made them feel discomfort because they were happy where they were they feel they got there they earned it the rest of us just did not work hard enough and they also felt felt like there's a thousand organizations we don't need a thousand and one I'd even talked to a couple directors at some organizations um, that said, we really don't have room for this. And when I looked into their background, they weren't the founders and they also weren't, didn't go through any struggle. They, they were part of high society is the best way to say it. And, and they didn't want new kids in the club. So I made my own club 
And uh, I want to give a shout out to Ariana, who's in the audience today and my director of client services. We sent letters to all the small little nonprofits because the big ones didn't want to hear from us. They don't care who we are. And we started meeting with them. And they were women just like us and just like some of you in the audience. And we started building these connections and this um, community of other um, nonprofits. Because I want to be friends to other nonprofits. I want us to all work together. But um, so the naysayers were definitely those that it made them uncomfortable. Hi, Jill. I'm KJ. So three things, right? So I know you said, right, you connected with the nonprofits, but I definitely want you to connect with us, right? So we're Dress for Success Dallas. I think I've already talked to your directors about that uh, because I really do believe that what you're doing is very, very powerful, right? A lot of times, right, we hear about fear, right? What is it? False emotions appearing real, right? Which keeps us stuck right where we are versus really living out our potential so i wanted to ask a couple of questions so one how can someone get involved right with fearless dallas right do you need volunteers employees whatever the case may be because i would love to come and be a part and then two do you find yourself wanting to scale the business right so a fearless fort worth a fearless austin a fearless san antonio all those good things <laughs> well i'm going to take that last question first it has been part of my 10-year plan that we expand to other areas. However, we're gonna exceed that because in January 2024, we will have Fearless Connecticut. Ooh. And any of you that know Connecticut, we're not gonna pick one city because you can drive across the whole state just like going from here to downtown uh, Fort Worth. So we're doing the whole state. And I'm from Connecticut and I have some friends there and uh, people doing that. So I do want to branch this out, absolutely. Uh, that is the goal. And as far as how people can help, first thing, call me, let's have coffee, lunch, and talk. But there's a variety of ways, and I know we'll talk more afterwards, but I would love to have you present at our summit. We have an event every September. I say every, this is our second, but it's gonna go on forever. It's every, it's every, that's right. And we have wonderful partners at the Dallas Public Library. I'm a big fan of what the library offers. We take over a whole floor and it's just like a conference all of you have been to, except it's free and accessible to any woman that wants to go. We have a keynote speaker, last year it was Judy. And we have breakout sessions and we do need someone to talk about dressing, so. You, you are going to be our person, I hope. And we also have vendors at the table, not selling things, but talking about their services. So we will also, various nonprofits will have tables. And uh, we already have some slated now. We have somebody going to uh, help people get registered to vote. We'll have Planned, Parentage, Planned Parenthood, Hope Cottage Adoption, uh, and a variety of others. So just to show everybody their resources. And I would say that most probably, you know, everybody here has some kind of um, service that you should talk about, you know, that they, that you should connect with her. Absolutely. Because, and I mean, I can just go around the room. So I, I'm actually Tonya Simpson. I, I actually own a small business called Leaning Towards Change. And so I've, I've uh, known Judy and her husband for a few years now. So, uh, but my business is actually for profit. So I, and I would love to get connected with you um, looking to start a nonprofit. And so is that some of the things that your, your organization also helps with is like how to start up, you know, like, 
let's just say a nonprofit, for instance, would your organization be able to kind of help coach me and guide me in, in doing something like that? One of our services that I personally handle is helping other nonprofits get started. Obviously, we don't, just like any of our other clients, we don't do the work for you. You do the work, but we'll <laughs> right. show you the roadmap. And, and it, just like everything with the government, is more complicated than it needs to be. So we've tried to help streamline that. And I'm always happy to do those types of sessions. I'm working with two nonprofits now, helping them take their uh, groups to that next level. Do you, do you have any kind of resources that might potentially help out with, like, uh, from a government perspective in getting funding or scholarships or, you know, any kind of grants or, you know, business loans or anything like that for these small businesses that are coming up, whether they want to be profit or nonprofit, but do you have any kind of connections or resources for those that, that want to just start up a small business, but then also help to get additional funding or, you know, being able to kind of grow their business from, you know, from the ground up, so to speak. On new businesses, I tell you where we like to refer people, again, keep it simple. The Dallas Public Library has a small business department and they walk you through what you need to do to get your small business going. And I'm sure there's not a lot of people that probably know that. I was just That's gonna awesome. say, it is amazing. And yeah. one of the tables we're gonna have at our summit is someone talking about everything the library does. They will sit down and work on your resume with you, one-to-one. -one. They will help you with student loan information and financial aid, but they will also help you with small business. We will have a breakout session at the summit about starting a small business and being an entrepreneur. I think that's that's an awesome thing for them to be able to do, that, or actually to offer those kinds of services, because those are some of the things that, that these young people who are coming up who want not even to be entrepreneurs, but also to, you know, that you said are coming up that don't necessarily know what they need to do. So to know that that public library is doing that, I think that's awesome. Maybe some of these other library people that are listening that work for libraries are like, hey, you know, this could create some sort of movement where they would all offer these services for these kids that are coming up that don't necessarily have that direction. It takes, it takes women to do this. Yes, exactly. it does. Just, just it's say, definitely a village, yes, that's yes, for sure. Yes. I'm yes. happy to help however I can. Wonderful, thank awesome. you. All right, well, I think that this was a very interesting way to do a podcast. What do you think? I loved it. I wanna thank Judy uh, for thinking of this. This is amazing, and the assignment I asked all my board of directors to have a little meeting and apps and chat maybe at a restaurant and tell your friends about Fearless. Of course, Judy doesn't just do the bare minimum. She goes all out, <laughs> which is why we love her. And I am thrilled that she gathered all you women here today, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you all better. Yes, awesome. Yes, awesome, awesome. So thank you all for being with us today on Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. And you know, our, like I said, our goal is always to have the most amazing women and men and so until next time, we will see you then.